I want to talk to you today about the centrality of worship, about completing your work with worship. You know, um, uh, if you've got the YouVersion app, we've got lots of notes on there and you can add notes to it. But BCC, I'm going to say this again, I think today... Uh, I'd like you to begin to get into the habit of taking notes during the sermon, during the message, to write some things down, to, uh, even if you can't take all of them, just uh, a few ideas that stand out to you. Are you with me in Nehemiah chapter 12? Get get your Bible open or put it on the app or something. Uh, Nehemiah 12, I want to read just a few verses to you from verse 27. Come with me into this absolutely important moment where Nehemiah creates a worship moment, having been with them all this time, building a wall, they now worship on it. Nehemiah 12 verse 27 says this, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from everywhere they lived. They were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were brought back together from the region around Jerusalem, from the village of Nephophantiphys. And uh, that means Erdington. And Beth Gilgal, that's Smethic. And from the area of uh, Geba and Azamadeth. And uh, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. And when the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, they purified the gates, and they purified the wall. Nehemiah says this, I had the leaders of Judah go on top of the wall... Now, this is what the enemy said, by the way, a fox couldn't even stand on the wall. But he had the leaders of Jerusalem go on top of the wall. And he also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One went around the top of the wall one way and the other went round the other way. It was a tremendous worship moment in the life of the nation to mark something, to dedicate something, to bring something out in their national identity and life. You know, as Christians, we can sometimes get a little bit confused about the significance of the internal and the external in our lives, the role of our internal motivations and our external behaviors. We tend to move... If I'm honest, we tend to move towards the internal. Uh, we, we say that, oh, God looks at the heart. Or we say things like, oh, you can't judge a book by its cover. Or you never know what's going on on the inside. And as Christians, because we're into character so much, we, we tend to disavow fashion. And we, we tend to say to ourselves, oh, you know, it's all about what's going on on the inside. And there is no doubt at all that the outside is definitely affected by what's going on and what's happening on the inside. After all, Jesus taught, didn't he? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks, and the inside is really important. But it is also true that our external behavior can be a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so to ignore the external sometimes is 
a little bit naive or even a bit foolish because the inner motivations that we have can often drive what we do. The job that we have says something about what type of person we are. Chaotic environments tell us that perhaps there's chaotic things going on on the inside. I was doing some pastoral visiting to a family one time, and there wasn't a spare place in their house for anyone to sit down. And no wonder they felt unrestful and, and not at peace. Their environment was chaotic. How many of you actually feel good after a good tidy up? You know, sometimes it just kind of does your insides good to make the outside bring it in order. Although, I don't want to say too much in case my PA is watching because my desk is usually messy. I, at home right now, it's messy. It's because I've got, but I know where everything is and uh, that's the excuse anyway and there's projects all over. But once every four weeks, I have a mass tidy up where I completely clean it up and it just sets me up for the next month. Worship is an external experience of a heart condition. What you say on the outside tells you what's going on on the inside. But when you've done it, it can actually translate that even if you don't feel like it, but you just do it, then it flows back and changes the inside. It's a bit like a good tidy up. There's an interplay for sure we can go through the motions sometimes, but there's an interplay between the outside and the inside with worship. That when you don't feel like it, but you give yourself to it, it changes you on the inside. But even when you do it from genuine motives on the inside, it begins to change your behavior on the outside. There's this kind of interplay going on. And when Nehemiah and what he was doing here when he brought them all to this great achievement, this, this wall that they built in the city they were bringing together, he was moving them in their national psyche to a different identity. He was saying, you have been workers, you've been watchers, you've been watched out for enemies, now I want you to be worshippers. He moved them from workers, from watchers to worshippers. He was actually making a statement about their identity and saying, we can't move on from this point until we worship. You see, worship is supposed to be the center of all our achievements. They were all really happy about what they'd done. And Nehemiah said, well, we can't be happy about it until we've dedicated it. We have to recognize the role of worship in our lives. And actually today, I want you to recognize the role of gathered worship in our lives. That It becomes a central part of our lives. Now listen. I know that you've been worshipping well at home. I know that you've been doing sincere worship around your living room. And it's been a marvelous thing over this season that your home has become a worship center, a study center, a, a Bible study center. And we must not give that aspect up. It's been good for your children to see you singing along on the screen right up close and personal. 
We've got to keep a strong online presence and a strong online church, and we will do that. But I want you to notice something. Nehemiah, at this point in this journey of reestablishing, of rebuilding, brought them all together to have a moment together that this physical achievement begged for, and actually he brought them to a communal experience. The coming together in worship each week actually is like we lay our labors down before the Lord what we've done that week and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you, I'm dedicating it to you. I'd like to look at six just brief things of what worship does in our lives, general worship, but also, can I also mention that this is communal worship, gathered worship, in-person worship, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball worship, not on-screens worship as well. There's an interplay between the two. Before I do that, I'm going to read the New Testament's famous passage on worship. You could even quote it, but if you don't know it, just go there with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know it off by heart, and we'll link that into what Nehemiah did as well. This is a significant moment in the book of Nehemiah. We've done something great. What's the first thing that he does? Let's worship around it. One of the things we need to do every single week is say, Lord, I've done this at school, I've done this at university, I've done this at work, I'm now bringing it to you and I'm worshipping on it. Paul says this, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The bringing of your body, the bringing of who you are, physically coming. Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. The bringing of the body, the external and the internal of the mind come together to form a worship experience. Okay, number one, worship is a response to God and it's fueled by responding to each other. Worship is a response to God and it's fueled by responding to each other. The response to God is intensified when we hear and deepen, when we hear the worship of others and when we're in the presence of the worship of others, it deepens our own worship. Look at what Paul said. He said, in view of God's mercy, in response to what you see God has done for you, we begin to worship. But he also said, I urge you, respond to me. 
begin to begin to respond to the fact that I'm passionate. Let me show you something really important in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 12, please go there. Look at it for your own self right now. But in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 24, uh, Nehemiah arranges all the leaders and the Levites, but he puts them opposite each other. And it says this, they stood opposite uh, to give praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other, the NIV translates it because in the Hebrew it's like one section cried out, the other section cried out, and they were almost trying to outpraise each other. You see, one of the roles, firstly, of worship is we respond to God, but it's our response is deepened as we key off and respond to each other. That's why we love it when you're chatting on the feed, but it's even great when you're back together in the building and you can hear the praises of God. I'm going to let you praise and sing when you come back. If you wear a mask uh, with one layer, you can sing softly behind your mask. If you wear two masks, you can say amen and shout out a bit. If you wear three masks, you can go for it as much as you like. Number two, worship has the role of bringing us together to create an appreciation of each other's gifts and roles. In Nehemiah chapter 12, it talks about we want the leaders to come. We want the gatekeepers to come. We want, we want the, the teachers to come. We want the musicians to come. We want you all to come and to be together in worship. Can you imagine why, why did Nehemiah get them to walk around the wall? Can you imagine what it was like that when they started walking around the wall, they were saying, oh, this is my bit. I, I built this bit. And then they walked on a bit further and said, oh, haven't they done well? They've built that well. And then they walked on further and said, you know what? I've never seen how they did this before. They all started to appreciate each other's work and each other's gift. And that's exactly what happens when we come to worship together. In fact... There's a little thing that we often miss out in Romans chapter 12. Did you notice that Paul says, I urge you, it's all in the plural, I urge you, brothers and sisters, come together, be together, see each other, see each other's gift, see each other's uh, uh, role, see what you, each other do. He assigned large choirs to give thanks. You know, during this lockdown, Kathy and I, we have walked the streets. I mean, who'd have thought at our age we'd be left to walk in the streets? We have exercised and we've walked together. And one of our little hobbies while we do it is to look at other people's houses. Yes, I'm admitting it online that we are, we just go walk past people's houses and, oh, we like what we've done there. Oh, that's not so good and so on. But that's exactly what happens when we come back to worship. We appreciate and say, wow, that person's testimony, it's really enriched me. That little conversation I've had together, that's enriched me. Oh, I know that they were struggling, but see how much they are still worshipping. Even today on our team, we've been able to pray with somebody who's, who was hurting. You see, when you come back together in worship, you get to appreciate each other's gifts, roles, and who they are. Thirdly, Worship is a sacrifice, a preparation, and a purification. It involves movement and the marking out of a time to focus on it. In verse 21 of chapter 12, it says, The Levites 
were sought out from where they lived. They actually said, went to their villages and said, hey, you built a little community, but we want you to come over to here. We want you all to come and be together. You know, in Romans chapter 12, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, what Paul is saying is, you can't just say, hey, I'm with you, and not bring your body. You can't, you know, have you ever seen those people who say, I'm with you in spirit, you're not with me. Paul says, bring your body, physically come and offer your sacrifice. There's something about the physical effort of getting ready and getting to a place that is a sacrifice that moves you along in your dedication for God, where there are no distractions. Oh man, this week I sold something on eBay and, uh, and uh, I thought it was out of my life forever. And then it was returned to me because the packaging company had dented what I'd sold. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a distraction. But you know what? I didn't have time to fully sort it. I needed to move that distraction out of my life. And that's what it's like when we come to church to worship. We're moving everything else and we're saying everything else can wait because this is a sacrifice. This is a dedication. This is a purification. You can't turn your Zoom camera off and do something else with church on in the background when you're actually here. It's a place where you can focus. You see, online worship is precious. And we'll always keep it. And, and I really applaud you for how you've engaged with it. But don't miss this dedication element of coming physically, of bringing your body. Fourthly, worship all, is also meant to be something you can't ignore, switch off, put on pause, or replay when it's convenient for you to do it. And we appreciate those things. The church should be flexible and offer different times so that we can accommodate as many people as possible. All of that is true, but eventually you have to say, it's a priority to me to worship. It takes precedence over everything else. Look at Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27, at the dedication of the wall. It was at a time and a place. The Levites were sought out from where they lived. Hey, Levite, if you're living in Erdington, we need you to come over here right now. Hey, Levite, if you're living in Smethwick, we need you to come over here now. Castlevale, Levites, I'm calling you back to come and be here right now. That's what happened. And they lived uh, where they lived, and they came to Jerusalem. But look what they did. To celebrate joyfully and to dedicate with songs of thanksgiving with music, cymbals, harps, and lyres. It wasn't something that was just weak and anemic in the background. It was something that they had to take note of. And on that day, it says in verse 43, look at this in Nehemiah 12. On that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. Mothers, on this Mother's Day, one of your best gifts that you can have is worship. The 
sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Here's the point. Worship is meant to be something that you cannot ignore. It's meant to be something that isn't to be put on pause for some other time. Worship is not something to switch off. It's something to remind you of the important things in life, the priorities of life, the first things in your heart, the best things about being a Christian. Worship is meant not to be something in the background. You see, this type of worship is a witness to our city. See, Paul said this type of worship is holy and pleasing to God. I wonder if our worship sometimes, you know, we're, we're kind of saying, oh, I'll catch the service later on when I'm on the treadmill exercising because I love doing two things at once. Don't do two things at once. Do one thing. Worship the Lord your God and give your heart fully to him. You know, that's what I'm saying today. Worship that's holy and pleasing to God. I'm calling you back to worship him. You see, this type of worship is a witness to your family. It's a witness to your children. It's a witness to your city. In this chapter, did you know that singing is mentioned eight times? Thanksgiving is mentioned six times. Rejoicing is mentioned seven times. Musical instruments are mentioned three times. Worship is not just a convenient package. Worship is, like it says in Hebrews, therefore let us continually offer praise to God. Sure, you can worship at home, but there are times when you have to come and come together and worship the Lord and make that your priority. On this Mother's Day, let's make sure that our kids understand where we stand. Let's turn to our children. You could turn to them right now and say, we're going back to church. We're going to be there. You've gone back to school. We as a family, we're going back to church. Fifthly, God often uses the communal shout of worship and the gathered congregational worship to shift and some spiritual realities in your life and to create a spiritual victory in your life. There's a lot more we can say about this, a whole thing. Remember in Nehemiah 12, verse 43, it says the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. It started to create an atmosphere in the whole region. In Numbers 23, verse 21, I love this. It says, no misfortune was seen in Jacob. No misery is observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them because the shout of the king is amongst them. When we worship, things in the atmosphere change. I'm not being spooky, but things in your heart change. God begins to shift and move and change things. Worship sets the direction of travel. Sixthly, worship sets the direction of travel in our lives. They celebrated, and it says specifically, they celebrated with songs of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is taking stock of what's happened and putting it in perspective with God and thanking God for both the things that haven't happened and the things that had happened. 
when the priests and the Levites had purified themselves, verse 30 says, ceremonially they purified the people, they purified the gates, they purified the wall. They actually brought things to God and said, is this the right direction? Is this what I'm thinking? Am I traveling in the right direction? Purification is a way of just closing out uh, things in your life that should not be there, that actually you're arrested and you say, you know, I, I just want to make sure this is the right direction. They purified the gates of the city so that what was coming in was the right thing and what was going out was the right thing. And that's what we need to do. We need to be gatekeepers in worship about our heart. Worship sets the direction and travel of our lives. Because that's what Romans 12 says. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Have a transformed life by the renewing of your mind. And worship often recalibrates our minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You may, let, me give you, just, let me give you an assignment. Actually, let's look beyond Easter and to Pentecost. Let me, let me just help you with this. If you want your mind to begin to be renewed, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking and studying about the mind. And, and actually, you know that we used to think that your intelligence and your brain doesn't really change after the age of 15. Now, me and Kathy have a, have a theory that most men never grow past... 14 years old sometimes, by the way, they, you know, act and the things that they laugh at, but that's not what we're saying here. Actually, it's not true. Your brain, you can change it and mold it by the thoughts that you think. It's, it's a whole science called neuroplasticity. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf has, has done lots of research on this, and Dr. Caroline Leaf has told us that if you pray for 12 minutes every day for eight weeks, 12 minutes every day for eight weeks, you can change even the shape of some of the traces and troughs in your brain. So here's your PPE. We talked a lot about PPE, uh, personal protective equipment. But here's your spiritual protective equipment. If you spend four minutes praising God every day, and then after those four minutes, do it on your watch. Set your watch at 12 minutes, and then after four minutes of praise, you just keep praising Him. You don't ask Him for anything. Then... Uh, that's your first piece. Secondly, then for the next four minutes, give him your petitions, your requests. Just talk to him and say, God, this is what I need. This is what my need is. This is what I need from you. You can sum up your whole need for the next four minutes. You're eight minutes in, and then for the last four minutes, have the encouragement from God's word of the promises of what he will do. Praise, petition, encouragement. PPE, spiritual PPE, 12 minutes for eight weeks every day. Can you pray for 12 minutes every day? Could that be our sacrifice? It doesn't sound much to me. 12 minutes will change your mind every day. Praise, petition, and the encouragement of God's word, what God will do. You see, Worship 
is our spiritual and invisible practical thing that we all must do. It's invisible and it's practical and physical at the same time. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come in a few moments, but I just want to look you into the camera, into your eyes and say, we need to come back physically to our church. We need to achieve some spiritual realities by coming physically back to the church. Nehemiah didn't say, hey, you built the wall. Let's all look at it from afar and say, thank you, God. He said, no, I want you to come over here, stand on it, rejoice on it, praise on it, and be in this moment together. That practical, physical moving helped them in their identity and their shaping. Now, I know, I know fully that for some of you, coming back to church is a difficult step. I get it. I know there's some who'll, who'll just run back. I know there'll be some of us who'll be nervous about coming back. I get it. I want you to know we'll be completely COVID secure. We'll work our hardest to make this a secure place. Life is never safe completely. I get that, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God for a time when you should come back. He'll give you a week and he'll give you a month. I believe God will speak to you. Now, it's not God if he says, come back in 2023. That's not God, okay? Over this next season, if you're nervous about coming back to church, take it to the Lord. Don't, don't, don't ask me. Take it to the Lord and he's going to tell you. He's going to share with you and he's going to break that open. And when he tells you, you're going to be able to walk in his will. Hey, worship team, why don't you just come back and we'll, we're going to sing to the Lord and worship together. But listen, I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back, but calling you back to physical worship, to on in-person worship, firstly, because it'll be good for your mutual encouragement. I know we're good on the feed and everything, but actually, you'll get really encouraged by people speaking into your life. I'm calling you back because you'll get some personal prophecy. Somebody will say, hey, I was praying for you, and they'll speak a word of God into your life, and it'll really change your week. I'm calling you back because it's a personal sacrifice, and actually, it's the sacrifices of worship that make it precious. I'm calling you back because it will shift Shift your focus and move spiritual forces that were against you. It'll break those over your life. It will renew your direction. We need to come back together because we'll have some practical serving to do. There'll be some service that you can't do online. You've got to do in proximity of people. You'll be able to come back and show your witness that this is a priority for you. So I'm showing you from the Bible, and there are many examples, that it's really important to physically gather to mark a moment. And don't say, well, they didn't have the internet in those days. That's not the point at all. 
they could have said to themselves, no, I'm staying away. And some did. But actually, if you look at the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, and you look at the Gospels where Jesus called the crowds together and he called his disciples together because being together physically in the same place was also important. Online is brilliant. We'll never lose it. And I felt the encouragement and the network of your presence. That's amazing. But actually, biblically, there are things that can only happen when you're in the community and in the room. So I'm calling you back. And over the next few weeks, begin to prepare your heart, begin to prepare the sense of sacrifice to say, yeah, this is my priority. I'm going back to be there. Let's sing together. As one community, we are online, and we are in uh, an internet family, and I feel the togetherness there. But let's add the dimension of being together in family, physically together. God will tell you when to come. Eight weeks, every day, 12 minutes, God will speak to your mind. Let's pray together and sing. Come on, Kevin.